Maybe you've started to notice a pattern in your romantic relationships throughout your life. Maybe you've even pinpointed what it is and have the awareness as to where it stems from, but now what? In this episode, I bring the beautiful Lee Noto to illuminate what we can do to heal our relationships and the former wounding we've experienced. Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health and menstruation. Let's get started. Hi, gorgeous friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am really, really excited about today's podcast episode. I think you're going to gain so much from this episode. I definitely walked away with a whole new awareness about relationships and these patterns that many of us have carried from one relationship onto the next. So you are going to love this episode. I just got back from a two-week trip up to Alaska. It was so healing and nourishing for me. I didn't even check my email for two weeks, which is unheard of for me. (laughs) And it was exactly what I needed. So permission to always prioritize yourself when you need to and create space and time for you to actually reconnect to yourself and replenish. Now, since I've been back, I've been doing all the things to get back into my normal routine and to, you know, get back to normal eating habits and no longer be eating out for three meals a day. I can officially say I am sick and tired of eating out and going places. (laughs) I just want to be home and eat really good, nutrient-dense, simple foods. You all know how obsessed I am with hormone health, and that's why I'm really grateful to be home and especially grateful to be back on my consistent seed cycling routine. Maybe you heard my episode I did with Kate Morton of Funk It Wellness a couple months ago, but that is seriously one of the simplest and most effective things you can do to address your hormone health. And I love Funk It Wellness because it makes it easier than ever to get started with seed cycling. Created by a dietitian and made with ingredients that are organic, non-GMO, vegan, and gluten-free, it is so simple to add these seeds into your daily routine. And with their easy subscription plan and free shipping, you'll always have your seeds ready to go for your delicious peanut butter and banana toast, your smoothies, your avocado toast, green salads, and beyond. The cool thing is seed cycling may be beneficial for people struggling with PMS, bloat, irregular menstrual cycles, and other hormone imbalance symptoms. If you're excited to finally give seed cycling a try and nourish your menstrual cycle, you can go to funkitwellness.com and use code DRC15 to save 15% on your order, or simply go to the link in the show notes to get started. In this interview today, I was amazed listening to my guest talk about what it means to shift from a wounded relationship to a conscious relationship and what we can really do when we start to realize we may be playing out these patterns in our relationships over the years, but also feel unsure of what to do from that. Sometimes we have the awareness, but we don't have the tools to really process it or move on from it. My guest in today's episode is the beautiful Lee Noto. Lee guides women on a journey to embody their inner high priestess so that they can create deep, intimate partnerships. And her mission is to help women feel empowered and free in their expression. She shares powerful communication tools and somatic practices that allow clients to connect deeply to their emotions and their bodies. And she's most loved for her ability to hold a safe space for clients to step into their power and create a bliss-filled life. And I have to so agree with this. While I'm unfortunately not yet a client of Lee's, I felt like I was getting a mini coaching session through this podcast episode together. And I loved the way in which she described these these things that can feel so overwhelming 
and yet she broke down the tools and practices that can really be so beneficial in such a simple, streamlined way. This episode is absolutely extraordinary, and I think you'll enjoy it too, so sit back and enjoy. Hi, Lee. It is such an honor to have you on the podcast. How are you today? Hello. I'm so, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's my honor. Um, If anyone has seen me tag you on Instagram, they probably have also stalked your Instagram page, which (laughs) is so full of excellent info. And it's given me so much to think about when it comes to relationships and sacred sensuality and libido and really feeling safety in our body to express ourselves. So I want to thank you for having such amazing content that is, wow, it is so needed right now. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, it comes from going through all of my own trials and tribulations. So I'm really happy to share. Yeah, I bet. that's. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about your story. Did you feel like sensuality and healthy relationships <laughs> were second nature to you always, or have you really had to work to get here? Yeah, I, they were not second nature to me, to be <laughs> honest. And I, I'm sure that seems different now, and it is different now. And the reason that I have created such a a strong container and energy around me of depth in my relationships now is because that wasn't present for me in some of my primary relationships growing up, particularly with my mom. Um, Love her. My mom and I are very, very close, but she comes from a completely different culture. She's from the Chinese culture. And what was most important in that culture was survival and uh, academic achievement, professional achievement, and presentation. So how well And how favorably can we be looked upon because that Mm -hmm. gives us a different standing amongst our peers and in society. And she wanted that for me because from her perspective, that was what was going to help me thrive the most in this lifetime. And the way she raised me supported me in many ways. However, there was a lot of conflict in our relationship and there were many moments as a child when I felt her lack of care, her lack of love. Um, and that that greatly affected how I created relationships going forward because I, I didn't trust people. I didn't trust that I could get close and that they wouldn't withdraw love or wouldn't reject me or punish me or criticize me. And mm-hmm. I think this happens for so many of us. We don't consciously walk around thinking, I fear that someone's going to judge me or criticize me if I share myself. But these are the stories that run in the background because of things that happened in very early childhood And the biggest part of my work personally in my own life has been working through those narratives on a psychological level, but also on an emotional level and on a nervous system level, because my body was holding on to so much trapped emotion around these moments. And those things were running the show in my adult relationships, including my relationships with men. Mm, I resonate with so much of that. I'm glad you brought awareness to how it's what we saw in that very, very early childhood that goes on to create these patterns in our relationships and these beliefs and, you know, these things that are so ingrained in us. And they were formed when we were like four, five, six years old. Mm -hmm. It's mind boggling. Yeah, it's and I think, you know, so many of us are not aware that we are being run by these narratives, run by these beliefs and these thoughts that were handed down to us from our primary caregivers. 
We don't often connect our adult relationships to our relationship with mommy and daddy. But until we give pause and and reflect on what actually feels like ours and what doesn't, we are forming adult relationships from the template of the relationship that mom and dad or our primary caregivers gave us. So, you know, for those who are potentially seeing the same dynamics playing out over and over again, or unhealthy relationship dynamics coming to play, and you can't seem to find your way out of it, it's likely that something is coming up that was formed much earlier than the relationship you're currently in. Yes. And this is why I'm so excited to talk to you, because if we're all honest, I think we all have these patterns that have kind of haunted maybe even every relationship we've been in. And yet it can feel so paralyzing, too, because it's like the awareness is there. But then what do you do about it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I hear this all day. <laughs> I, I hear it. I have lived it. Oh, my gosh, have I lived it. And I'll just say that I speak of these things from a lot of my own trials and tribulations. So, you know, I've, I've given this a lot of thought and a lot of learning and I'm a human walking the path as well. Yeah, absolutely. So when someone is operating from these patterns, or we could even call it maybe the wounded feminine, you can correct me if there's a better term you think we could use there. Do you have like characteristic uh, kind of signs that we're living from previous programming rather than true embodiment? Yeah. So I think the first and simplest sign to look at before we look at, you know, constructs like the masculine and feminine and other psychological constructs is, do I feel good? Like, do I feel good? And if I don't feel good, is, is what's causing me to not feel good actually true? So I think that as a baseline question, if that were the only question we were to ask ourselves, does this thing or does interacting with this person feel good for me? Does it feel nourishing? Does it feel supportive? And you know, do I feel like I'm thriving in this environment or in this situation? And if not, you know, is there a place within this for me to explore? So I think if we just looked at it from that context simply, that could really reveal a lot of insight. And then as we're talking about the masculine and feminine, um, you know, these are concepts that are not related to gender identity. The masculine and feminine is energies that we all have within us. So we all have masculine and feminine energy, no matter how we identify. Um, and when our energies are not being balanced by the, its counterpart, then we find ourselves in the wounded realms, the wounded feminine and the wounded masculine. And the wounded feminine looks like um, neediness, victimhood, powerlessness, manipulation, withholding love, withdrawing, shutting down. And so when our feminine is sort of in overdrive and is not being balanced by a healthy sense of our own masculine energy, we find ourselves in that in that victimhood. And that's when we create codependent dynamics as well. And on the opposite side of that, when our masculine is not being balanced by our feminine, we find ourselves in the wounded masculine, which is aggression, criticality, judgment, abuse, perpetration. Um, so that's when we're finding ourselves, you know, perhaps in the place where we're being harsh with ourselves, overly critical, negative self-talk. And 
you know, how we treat ourselves is typically how we treat others. So if we're finding that dynamic play out in relationships, then it could be that there isn't balance with our feminine energy. So we see those things play out and they really do impact and affect both our relationship with ourselves and with everyone outside of us. It was really, really powerful what you just said, that if we're really honest and really introspective, the way we treat ourselves is probably how we treat other people too. Wow. And I think a common wound of the feminine is the criticism that, you know, for example, a lot of men may feel criticized by the feminine. But when you just said that, it made me realize, and how often are we all picking ourselves apart and putting ourselves down and ripping apart our accomplishments what an interesting correlation you just uh, brought up. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, our, our human behavior and our human psychology and something I've been looking at a lot within myself, which I know is how a lot of women feel about their own experience is oftentimes we will point the critical finger at ourself so that we're not pointing it at others outside of us. And so we we have... Um, these very intelligent mechanisms inside that are wired for self-preservation in terms of connection. And so what I see happen for a lot of women, and of course this isn't a definitive statement, but it is characteristic of how a lot of women feel and identify is that we will often put our own needs aside. And this is sort of our care, the caretaker in us. We'll put our own needs aside. We will allow our own boundaries to be crossed so that we can keep love and connection with others because we are wired for connection, especially as, as women. Biologically, we're wired to be in community. We're wired to have support and connection when we rear our children. And, and all of these things, all of the way we're wired is based around community and connection. So um, it's just fascinating to see that come up as well and to see how those dynamics, whether they are biological or psychological, can impact our relationships with ourselves and with others. Absolutely. Yes. So you shared an amazing Instagram post recently. I, I like all of your Instagram posts, so I couldn't oh. tell you when you posted this. It was at some point. But you talked about when we see patterns showing up in our relationships, and you were really vulnerable in, in sharing about the patterns you've noticed in your relationships throughout your life. And it really struck something in me. Um, that like permission to really reflect back and see what were the common themes that showed up in all of these various scenarios and what were the things that were really me and not these other people. Can you tell us more about that practice or that idea? Absolutely. I, you know, this, this concept really, I think, takes people to the next level. Because it is so easy for us, and I will say this because I've done it many times, it is so easy for us to look outside of ourselves and say, well, this person is the reason I feel this way, or there are no good men out there, and you know, or it's, it's this person's fault that this is happening. And this perspective encourages us and invites us to look inward and without self-deprecation or shame, ask is there a way in which I contributed to what I experienced? And almost all of the time, the answer is yes, because we are creating our experience. We're here for it. We're the common denominator in everything we experience, whether it's a romantic partnership, a relationship at work, you know, a relationship with a passerby. We are here for all of it. 
So when we look inward and ask the question, how did I contribute or how was it that I showed up in all of the relationships in which there was this dynamic? Is there something that I'm creating here? It opens the door to possibilities and for us to see there could be something that's arising within us and that we've a place that we've been operating from probably our entire lives that's creating the circumstances and the reality we're experiencing. And so what I shared in that story was that I had found that when I really let someone get close to me, and I, I often did not let people get close because I was so afraid that if they got close, they would really see what's here and they would withdraw their love the way my mom did. And that I would lose the love that I was working so hard for, that I was making myself perfect for in all of my relationships. But, you know, in the few moments where I did allow men to get close to me, what I ended up seeing was my defensiveness, my anger, my victimhood, my powerlessness, my finger pointing, the blame. And while in those situations, it was so much easier to make it someone else's fault and it felt good in the moment because I could just be righteously angry, I stayed stuck in the same pattern, relationship after relationship after relationship. And I would go back and forth between making it someone else's fault or shaming myself. And neither of those is taking radical responsibility because taking responsibility is different than placing shame and guilt on ourselves. Shame is the antithesis of responsibility and of transformation. And I'm well aware of that because I used to be a master of shaming myself. And so um, looking back and, and asking how I was the common denominator in all of the patterns that I saw playing out in my life and asking where I could be taking more responsibility without inflicting shame was exactly what led to and what continues to lead to the deepest intimacy I've ever experienced with myself and I've ever experienced with other people. I think we are all like at the edge of our seats, like, tell us how to do it <laughs> because <laughs> you're so right. It's it's either, yeah, we blame the other person and we think, poor me, you know, I just always attract these crappy partners or I'm just always with this type of person or yeah, we beat ourselves up. And so sometimes even the awareness of the pattern tends to push us into that shame route like you talked about. So where, what is the third option then? Where do you start in not being the victim, but also not shaming yourself to feel like you're broken? Right. Million dollar question. So in, you know, through the lens of the work that I do, and there are many other perspectives on this, depending on what kinds of practitioners and professionals you speak with. But from my perspective, both personally and professionally, the place to start with this is the body. Because, you know, it's easy to go into the psychology and to the the communication templates for how we can communicate and honor our boundaries and, and do things like that, or, you know, use an affirmation to not shame ourselves. But there's an entire experience that's happening inside the body. So if before we got into any of the psychology of it, we could say, when this experience arises, when I notice this, when I notice that I'm in a codependent dynamic again, when I notice that there is an abusive dynamic happening or there's power play happening in my relationships, what am I feeling inside of my body? And even before we get to emotions, what physical sensations am I feeling? Is my chest clenching? Is my stomach churning? Am I tightening my pelvic floor? 
Is my jaw tight? Am I shrugging my shoulders? These are all bodily responses that point back to stress, unease, and typically a feeling or a perception that we're not safe. So even if we are literally safe because we have a roof over our heads or the other person in front of us isn't inflicting, you know, physical harm or something like that, to our organism, there are many experiences that lead to us feeling unsafe. And it's happening below the surface. It's happening below our conscious awareness. So when we can point and give some loving attention to what's happening in the body, it can, it can open the space for stabilization and for the body to know, okay, the signals I'm sending matter. The message is being received because the body is a very intelligent organism that has tens of thousands of years of evolution behind it that is wired for our survival. So if something is threatening our survival, right, we'll go into pointing the finger because we need to protect ourselves, or at least that's the perception, or to shaming ourselves because we think that that's going to be the thing that protects us. So if we could get into the body first and just be with the experience that's happening without trying to make meaning of it, whether that's he's wrong, I'm right, or I should be ashamed of myself, or I need to know if this is coming from generational trauma, right? We can go to all those places, but first, being with what's happening right here, right now, in the present moment, because that can be the first thing that allows us to create safety. And I will say that if it doesn't feel safe for us to be present, if it feels safe for us to jump forward into the future or to go back into the past, then you know I do invite people to reach out to trusted practitioners that can help them hold the container for themselves so that they can feel safe in exploring what's arising for them because it can be intense. Yeah, I can only imagine. I think, I mean, you can tell me if you hear this a lot, but when these moments have arised for me, it tends to just be a lot of tension and tightness in my body. Like I feel my body preparing to protect itself, ready to fight or flight. Um, and then as you talked about earlier, when you trace that back to where earlier in your life, you also felt that experience I guess this is where a practitioner is ideal, but sometimes that's where it gets the most murky because then you're like, I can see the root, I can see the pattern, but it's very challenging to not stay stuck in that because how yes. do you actually go from the body? So there, there are two things here. I think this is a, a brilliant question because awareness is, awareness is a huge part of it. And like you said before, once we know about it, then what? What do we do? How do we behave in response to that? And so there are two layers here. One, there's the, the layer of the body and really acknowledging you know, the body's response and asking, what do I need to feel safe right now? Because, because I've tracked my body and I know that when I clench and when I pull away, I'm likely thinking that I'm not safe. Then the next question would be, what do I need to feel safe right now? And if I can ask myself that, if I have access to that question, then maybe an answer will arise. And if one doesn't, that's okay too, but maybe it's taking a step away. Maybe it is, you know, asking for something, making a request for something. Um, as far as work is concerned, 
doing any sort of work with the nervous system. So there are many somatic modalities that are great in acknowledging the nervous system and doing nervous system clearing because this is the layer of the body that is holding the charge. So when we experience things that we consider to be traumatic, whether that's an everyday trauma, like an altercation or an argument, or a capital T trauma, something um, impactful that happened early in childhood or in adulthood, um, it's our nervous system that is holding on to it. So if we can create a space to clear the nervous system, and sometimes it happens through shaking, through making sounds, through um, being guided through an experience, that's the layer of the body. So we, we've got to you know, do some of the clearing work on the level of the body. Now, there's also the component of the mind. And the mind is the layer in which you know, it works in tandem with the body and we can make decisions and choice points from the mind. So both have to be working together because I'll share from a personal perspective, there were moments in my journey where I was looping over and over and over again because I knew where the traumatic event came from, mommy issues, daddy issues, and I could feel my body activating and I could feel myself go into the same habit or pattern. There was a point in time where I had to support my body in saying, what do you need right now? How can I support you? And giving myself what I needed or making a request for my need. And then also saying, okay, and you know what? I'm going to choose something differently. I'm going to choose, if that feels available in my body, I'm going to choose to respond in this way. So there is a layer of consciousness and psychology that comes into this when we have enough awareness to see what's happening and we know we're doing everything we can to support our bodies, where the mind can also be a leader in saying, yes, I'm going to lead the way and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure the body gets its support and I'm going to make the choice that in every opportunity I can, I'm going to choose to create the reality that I want to create instead of the one by default. Because it's, you know, we could all loop in our patterns forever and I've, I've done this. And at some point, there's got to be an adult part of us that's here and now, once we've done the, the clearing of the system and, and receiving the support that says, okay, I know those things happened in the past and they deeply impacted me. And also I'm here right now in the present as the adult me, how do I want to create my reality going forward? Because only I can decide that. That radical responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's not very sexy, is it? But it's <laughs> it's what it comes down to. It's there's no magical fix. It's you. Yeah. 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 And you know, it, it's interesting because doing that deep undercover work does not typically feel sexy. It doesn't often look sexy. Sometimes it looks messy. Sometimes it looks like oh my gosh, I am a complete wreck. I don't know what I'm doing. So if anybody's experiencing that, know that that can be par for the course. And what's on the other side of that when you take radical responsibility is so, like, it's so sexy. I feel so sexy now when I take radical responsibility because I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I, I do want to take accountability for that. I do want to restore integrity. Let me do that because that is the place where I feel powerful and so it doesn't always feel sexy, but there is the possibility that it can. Okay. I like that. So <laughs> there might be some messy, 
points, but at the end of the day, as you reclaim that and take responsibility and have that sovereignty, the sexiness will return. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm already just blown away by all of this because I think these are things that all of us have wondered and all of us have witnessed and even had concern over, but it's it's like no one knows where to turn for this kind of stuff. So I'm so grateful we're talking about this. Mm. So what if you are in a relationship? You did a post on a wounded relationship versus a conscious relationship. So how do we how would we know that we're living in a wounded relationship and then how could we transition to being in a more conscious one? Yeah. So some of the the telltale signs of being in this wounded place and you know when I refer to that it's being either in the wounded masculine or feminine which were some of the qualities that we talked about earlier but also being in a place of reaction. So some of the telltale signs might be or are that it feels like there's no space for us to pause and stop before we react to something. Things just feel automatic. It feels like we don't have control over how we respond to what our partner says or the feedback that they give us. And the automatic responses are things that may feel alleviating in the moment, but don't typically lead to deeper intimacy. So in my case, it was becoming immediately defensive, attacking, projecting, shutting down. These were the things that were so automatic for me. And it felt in my body and in my mind at the time, before I really looked at what was happening, that there was no other option available. This was the only thing I could have done, the only thing I could have said, the only way I could have responded. Nothing else seemed like an option. There was no, let me pause and gather my thoughts and see how I'm feeling and then ask what your experience is like, right? That was further down the line for me. So if those who are listening find that there is just a lot of automatic firing off that's happening, um, then that's one way to know that we're typically responding from an earlier place, meaning it's not the place where we're present here and now and where we have the big picture view of everything that's happening, both our partner's perspective, our perspective, the impact of both of those things. And so if that's the case, then typically we're responding from a trauma, a trauma that happened earlier in our lives. And a lot of that, especially in the relational context with our partners, are traumas that happened in early childhood. So understanding and knowing and and really validating the dynamics that played out when we were children can be a beautiful start to understanding, okay, what are the, the dynamics that played out there that didn't feel good? And how did I receive messages about love and intimacy from my parents or caregivers that maybe don't feel resonant for me anymore? Maybe I don't want to play out the dynamic that mom and dad played out where he would give her feedback and she would shut down and storm off even though I'm doing that. So if that's the case, you know, how do I want to respond instead? What would be ideal? And starting to ask those questions, because as we ask those questions and as we open a space for possibility and imagining how we would like to respond instead, then there are greater chances that when that kind of situation arises again, the other response other than the default will appear as possible. Now, it doesn't always appear as possible, but the fact that we've already thought about another way we would like this to play out 
gives our system and our mind a chance to go in a different direction. And as we start illuminating those places, the places where we react, the places where it feels like we have no space and we have to shut down and project and go into all of our uh, protective mechanisms, that's where we start to little by little shed the light on the things that are operating in the shadow or in the wounded realm. And as we become aware of it, we bring our awareness to these things, we start to take them out of the shadow and into the light. So it's like we're shining a light on them. And now they're not in this shameful, tucked away place. We can acknowledge it and say, okay, I see how I behaved. I don't want to behave like that anymore. And in, in truth, it's really nothing more than that, right? There's there's nothing to be ashamed of, even though it can feel like there is. But it can be as simple as, you know what? That's what mom and dad did. I don't want to do that because I see how it's impacting my relationship. I'd like to do this other thing instead. So let me try and build a reality that has that option available to me. And that is how we, we bring things into the conscious realm. The conscious realm isn't some woke realm where we're enlightened and we have it figured out and there's never conflict or challenge. And I think that that word can be misconstrued sometimes. Conscious means we're shining the light of our consciousness and the light of our awareness onto the things that we were previously unaware of or were in the unconscious realm. And now it's on the table. Now it doesn't have to be something that's driving the bus without our awareness. It can be something that we're aware of. And now we're choosing something differently. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> you, I appreciate that you just made that sound so simple. Like it's just recognizing it, shining the flashlight on it, saying, I see you. I love you. We're going to do something a little different next time. Like that sounds so doable. That feels a lot more freeing uh, to know that that's the first step that really can change everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's simple isn't always easy. Mm -hmm. However, when we know that something can be simple and that we we don't have to make it as hard as we tend to make it, it does just kind of show like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can absolutely do this. And I, I, I kid you not, that belief in ourselves and in our partners and in our relationships is the fuel that drives everything. Like You do not have to be a seasoned psychotherapist to have a good relationship. It is just this belief and this desire to want to continue to grow and expand and learn and deepen intimacy. Mm -hmm. I think if people have that and they master that, everything else will take care of itself. Well said. Yeah. You talk a lot about sensuality in your work as well. And I imagine if we're operating, you know, in this fight or flight, we don't feel safe. I mean, our external environment may be safe, but internally we feel like we are hiding. Like you said, we have big barriers between us and our partner. We don't let people fully in. How do we start to overcome that so we can even have the opportunity to access real sensuality? Love this. Yes. So typically when we don't feel safe, it is because we weren't taught how to create safety for ourselves. So for most people, unfortunately, we're raised in households and environments where our parents were doing their best, but there were things that played out as in, you know, most dynamics that led us to believing or 
creating the perception that we're not safe or lovable or enough or worthy as we are without performing or, you know, saying the right thing or whatever it is. And so as adults who are seekers, who are learning and growing and expanding, it is our responsibility now because we're out of the nest. Mom and dad are, you know, doing their own thing or have passed on. And so we are here to to work with what we have and then to create what we desire. So when we're talking about this feeling of unsafety, it's it comes, you know, from a psychological, emotional, physical and and sexual layer. And going back to the concept that we talked about before, this wounded masculine and feminine. When we find ourselves in those places, we typically don't feel safe. So when we're in our our wounded feminine, we're in victimhood. Woe is me everybody does this to me. Why is this happening to me? Or we're in, um, you know, being overly sensitive or in a codependent dynamic. And when we're, we don't feel safe when we're in that dynamic. And when we're in the wounded masculine, we don't feel safe either, because this is when we're criticizing ourselves, judging ourselves, uh, being harsh, being aggressive. And so in order to create balance in that way, looking at the qualities of the conscious masculine and feminine are the places that if we turn up the volume on that can really help us create safety. So when we're looking at the conscious feminine, or, you know, another way to say this is the divine feminine, the natural feminine, we're looking at aspects like unconditional love, acceptance, nurture, tenderness, affection, intuition, emotion. When we see ourselves in these places and when we can honor and meet ourselves with unconditional love and acceptance, even when we feel ashamed, even when, you know, we feel angry with ourselves about something that creates safety saying, you know what, girl, I know this doesn't feel good, but know that I've got your back. Right. And if we imagine how a friend would show up for us, our best friend who we feel really safe around, can we show up for ourselves in that way? And that sounds, you know, simplistic, but that's all it is. It's really not any more complicated than that. And with the natural masculine, that that conscious masculine, that energy is the energy of presence, clarity, groundedness, stability. So where in our lives can we show up as more present for ourselves? We're not trying to fix or change or adjust. We're just present. And when you imagine the way you'd want your friend to show up for you, when you bring a struggle to them and they show up and they are just listening and you can feel that they're so tuned into you, they're right there with you. There's nothing that's taking their attention away from what you're saying. That creates safety. That is the presence we are longing for. We just want to be seen and heard and acknowledged. So when we bring that sense of presence to ourselves. It allows us a space to validate our own experience and say something like, you know what? I know you're feeling hurt. I want to validate that that your feelings matter. Your emotions matter. I'm so present with you. So, So bringing that feminine, unconditional love and acceptance and that masculine sense of presence, the way we would want our best friend to do, the way we want our partner to do, is first our responsibility to bring to ourselves And that is what creates the deepest levels of emotional, psychological, intellectual, and sexual safety. 
Beautiful. I, I love this. Um, yeah, you just have such a beautiful way of describing all of this to where it feels so affirming and you really feel like it is in your hands to heal anything in your life. Yeah. Hmm. So what about if you had someone working with you, say, as a client who was working on supporting her relationship and moving from that wounded to conscious relationship, but her main struggle was in intimacy in that she had no libido, very dry, and really just had no desire even to connect with her partner in that way. I mean, in my work, I'm certainly all in the hormone labs and looking at physiologically what could be causing that. But what about the emotional side? Yes, this is such an important exploration. I think on both ends, the scientific lens through which you're looking at hormones, as well as the emotional lens through which we're looking at what creates the environment in which we feel sexual desire, sexual drive, sexual curiosity, a connection to our sensuality and softness and openness. So at the foundation of that is this idea of safety. Safety must be present. Now, there are some atypical situations in which feeling a lack of safety can be a turn-on, where there's you know risk if that is a kink or a preference for us. But in a long-term sustained relationship, safety emotionally, psychologically has to be at the bedrock if we want to build and, and sustain sexual desire. So when we're talking about that, the first thing I ask, and this is uh, something that Esther Perel talks about a lot, is if you're not feeling sexually desirous with your partner, are you feeling turned on with yourself? Are you feeling turned on by yourself? And so one of the, the sentence stems that Esther gives out is, I turn myself on when, dot, 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 fill in the blank. And are there things that you can participate in or that you do participate in that turn you on? And this doesn't have to be sexual. This might be, I turn myself on when I decide to not check the email and go for a walk because I know that that's what my body needs. I turn myself on when I turn my cell phone off at night and I take a bath. I turn myself on when I self-pleasure and I am feeling myself and I dance in the mirror. Now, on the flip side of that coin is I turn myself off when dot, dot, dot. I turn myself off when I am up till midnight checking emails and I only get five hours of sleep because I know I have an important meeting in the morning and then I feel exhausted the whole next day and I definitely don't want to have sex because I'm just trying to keep my eyes open. And there are all these ways in which we turn ourselves off and where we don't honor our turn on that are in the context of our relationship with ourselves that have nothing to do with our relationship with our partners. And so by the time we get to our partner, we're already so turned off by the way that we have chosen to show up in our day and to our needs or boundaries or to our rest or whatever it is that then greatly impact how we show up with our partner. And a part of this is as well, you know, how are we communicating these things? So how aware are we, um, one, of our turn-ons and turn-offs, sexual and non? Two, how much responsibility are we taking for keeping ourselves turned on when we want to be turned on? Because that 
you know, in, in most healthy relationships, turn on and connection and intimacy and safety is a predecessor of sexual desire and connection. So if we look at, do I feel safe? Do I feel safe? And not necessarily is the other person making me feel safe because yes, that is a part of relationships, but what can I take responsibility for? Do I feel safe in expressing my needs, boundaries, desires? And if I'm not expressing them, is that eroding safety and trust within myself? Is that something that I need to look at on my own personal journey? And then, um, you know, what are my turn-ons? What are my turn-offs? How am I turning myself on and off? And how am I communicating these things to my partner so that they can be on the same page as me? Because, you know, if I'm in a healthy relationship dynamic, then my partner would be interested in knowing these things and in supporting me to make sure that I'm in my turn on and to help turn me on because they love doing this and it gives them pleasure. Mm -hmm. These are all really great places to look. Love this explanation. And everyone's homework should be <laughs> to think <laughs> about the things that turn you on, right? Things that, that do get you in that place. Um, that was a concept that I didn't know for most of my life, you know, that we're supposed to also be able to create pleasure within ourselves. And it doesn't just have to be your partner. You know, isn't that funny how that was like a piece of sexual health that <laughs> totally got missed from the, that education. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy. I think, you know, I think we have this idea as women as well that, you know, our, our partners are responsible for that. And I'm sure a lot of men have that idea also, um, but that our partners are responsible for it. And he should just know we've been together for 10 years. He should just know what feels good for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I know you can speak to this tremendously that what feels good for us at one point in our cycle is not necessarily what feels good for us at another point in our cycle or where our cervix is in a different position. I was so, just going to say that yeah, certain it's positions like, at different phases of the cycle are not good. <laughs> if it's elusive to us as women, then could you even imagine that men have no idea what's happening, but typically want to know because they want to pleasure us. They want to turn us on and support us and provide. It is how they're wired. So the more we can equip ourselves with the, the content and the wisdom that you're sharing, as well as the wisdom of our own bodies and our emotions, the better the chances we have at creating intimacy with ourselves and with our partners. Yes, I so agree. And as you said, it's a journey and we're going to have to communicate about it and we're going to have to be okay with even surprising ourselves in what no longer feels in alignment and what, what kinds of um, transitions come up along the way. Exactly. Yeah. So if you had someone come to you right now who said, Lee, I have, you know, a lot of trauma from my past. I have a hard time, you know, letting men into my life. Um, I have a lot of fear. Intimacy is, is pretty scary to me, or I don't always have much of a desire for that. Could you throw out like three things you would start with this person or three suggestions to really guide her along her way? Absolutely. The first one, which would be, a huge focus in our conversation and exploration is one, thank you for sharing that. Two, let's feel it. Let's feel it. Mm -hmm. Because what, what tends to play out in situations like this is that we opt to or we default to whatever mechanisms we think will keep us safe and protected. 
So that might mean the protective mechanism of not letting someone in in the first place or the protective mechanism of sabotaging it once we've let them in. And so when those mechanisms arise, it is typically because we haven't allowed ourselves the space to feel it and to really let it move through us. We are so uncomfortable with discomfort that we tend, as, as all humans, will we'll do anything to discharge it, to just get, get it out of me, get it away. I don't want to feel this way anymore. However, if we open up the space in a safe and contained way to say, let's go there, like let's feel it, let's bring it up so that we can move through it, that is a huge, huge um, gateway and portal into starting to clear some of those patterns up in the first place because the, the pattern is coming from this feeling of unsafety. So if we can actually feel the thing that's that we think is causing us to feel unsafe and we recognize that we are okay and alive on the other side, then we start to rewire what's happening in our bodies. So the first thing would be, before we get into any you know uh, reframing or any of the psychology, can we just feel and be with what's here? And as we feel and be with what's here, can we hold those things, whatever comes up, with compassion, with love, with seeing like, wow, that tendency really worked for you all these years and now you're seeing that it's, it's no longer what you want to create. Can we have gratitude for how it has served to protect you and can we choose something differently? So this is, you know, this is not necessarily three different things, but this is one huge, huge, huge thing that in my opinion cannot be missed because if we miss this foundational step and we're going into the psychological reframing or, you know, the, the bypass technique, it could be a temporary fix, but it's not going to create sustainable results. So the biggest thing here is being with what's coming up and meeting those things in every moment we can with compassion, with love, with grace, with a humbleness, with a desire to learn more about that thing, that mechanism, to learn about the fear and to create intimacy with it. The way we would welcome friends over to our house and say, all of our friends are welcome at the dinner table. This is a dinner party for all of my friends, right? Internally, this is a dinner party for all of my emotions, the fear, the disgust, the jealousy, the rage, the anger as well as the joy, the love, the bubbliness, the vibrance, the confidence. We often tend to put you know, our favorable qualities on a pedestal and completely push away the ones that don't feel favorable or that feel uncomfortable. And if all we did was give ourselves a space to feel these things and to meet them with love and compassion and see that they really served a purpose at one point in our lives, but that we're going to step in and choose something differently now while nurturing that part of us. If that was all we did, we would make profound shifts that would make every other technique or approach a nice bonus and, and a nice supplement to mm -hmm. the real thing. Yes. Amen, sister. <laughs> This gives me, I mean, friends, we all go through this. We're all navigating these fun cyclical issues in relationships and all these, yeah, things that 
that come from our past and certainly creep into our present. So this is especially for me, been incredibly illuminating and really helpful for me to understand really at the, the base of all this, that there is another option than blaming yourselves and feeling shame and feeling like you're the problem. And there's also another option from, you know, um, going down the victim mentality as well. There is a way to take back your sovereignty and feel empowered and to do the work to heal and to really love yourself through that entire process. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, so powerful. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I, I never want them to end. You know, I'm always like, <laughs> I know. Can we just have a four hour podcast like Joe Rogan and just talk right? forever? <laughs> but um, where can everyone connect with you, Lee? And do you have any beautiful offerings? Or if someone's listened to this and is like, this is my girl, I need to talk to her, what should they do? Absolutely. So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram at Lee Noto underscore L E E N O T O. Uh, you can also shoot me an email. Hello at Lee Noto.com. And my website's Lee Noto.com. If you just want more information or you want to check me out some more. Um, and I do have a really, really beautiful, beautiful container coming up that my partner, Ani and I are hosting together. We are inviting um, a select group of powerful women uh, who are single and who are wanting to go on the inner journey to clearing the space within them to becoming the best partner to themselves so that they can attract that partner into their lives. Because it is so inevitable that because of who they are and the work that they've done, that they will attract into their life a partner who's also doing their inner work and who can you know, where they can call each other forth to their highest potential. And this is what we call a power couple partnership. These are the kinds of partnerships and the kind of love that changes the world because when we bring our energies together, they're all the more powerful. And so we're going to be bringing that powerful women on a journey through that starting in September. So let's connect on Instagram. I'll be sharing a ton of information there. And you're actually hearing it here first because I haven't even announced it on my Instagram channel yet. Ooh. So <laughs> really excited to be to be sharing it here um, and, and just sharing our, our hearts and our work with the world. That's extraordinary. I love that. And hopefully you two at some point do something for couples too, maybe. We will be. Yes. <laughs> uh, my partner and I have a, a company called Untamed Intimacy. So we're going to be launching something for couples as well. Um, and as well for couples who are in business together, because that's mm. the context of our relationship. So um, stay tuned for that. I will be sharing all of that on my Instagram page. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lee, for your presence and your gifts in the world. I personally can't wait for this couples course. Um, I think that is the kind of stuff we need in this world. So thank you for pioneering all of this. And to everyone listening, if you loved this episode, be sure to share this episode on Instagram and tag me at Menstruation Queen and Lee at Lee Noto underscore, if I can talk. Then <laughs> um, again, thank you so much for being here and we will see you next week. Thank you.